this is Louis Rios, current ASERF president, um, and I'm going to be reading from my article that was published in ASJ in August of 2020. The article is entitled Improvement of Brazilian Butt Lift BBL, Improvement in Brazilian Butt Lift Safety with the Current Recommendations from ASERF, ASAPS, and ISAPS. My co-author is Varun Gupta, MD, MPH. So I'll be reading from the abstract, the background. In 2017, the ASERF Gluteal Fat Grafting Task Force reported gluteal fat grafting to be a high-risk procedure and recommended specific surgical techniques to decrease the risk of pulmonary fat embolism. The objectives. The aim of this study was to determine whether ASAPs and ISAPs members were aware of the 2017 recommendations, what their current surgical techniques were, and whether they had changed their techniques based on the 2017 recommendations, and whether the incidence of PFEs or pulmonary fat embolism had changed since the recommendations were published. An anonymous web-based survey, so the methods, an anonymous web-based survey was conducted among members of ASAPs and ISAPs. It included the questions from the 2017 survey, as well as questions about awareness of the task force recommendations and subsequent change in surgical techniques. The results. In the two years following the publication of the recommendations, the incidence of pulmonary fat embolism was 1 in 2492 compared to 1 in 1030 reported in 2017. The p-value of this was equal to 0 0.02. Trends indicated a decreased mortality rate from 1 in 3448 in 2017 to 1 in 14952 in 2019. 94% of respondents were aware of the recommendations. Only 0.8% of surgeons in the current survey reported injecting in deep muscle compared with 13.1% in 2017. This is a p-value of less than 0.01. Compared with 4.1% in 2017, 29.8% of respondents in our survey reported that they only injected with cannulas greater than 4.1 millimeter. This is a p-value of less than 0.01. Only 4% of respondents reported angling the cannula down in the current survey, compared with 27% in 2017. This was a p-value of less than 0.01. Conclusions of the abstract. It appears that members were aware of the 2017 recommendations. There was a significant decrease in recent pulmonary fat embolism, and trends showed a change to safer techniques and improvement in safety of the procedure. Now I'll be reading from the main article. And the editorial decision was made in March 18th of 2020 and online was published ahead in print in April 19, 2020. So this will be reading from the main article. In 2015, ACER formed a gluteal fat grafting task force to study the mortality and complication rate of gluteal fat transfer, also known as Brazilian butt lift or BBL. The formation of the task force was ignited by a cluster of deaths in Los Angeles County. At that time, there was a small body of literature suggesting that BBL, especially below the muscular plane, could result in direct fat embolism to the heart and lungs. 
The purpose of the 2017, uh, 2015 task force was to determine the relative safety of the procedures based on data from Quad ASF, ASAPs and a member survey, it was determined that the mortality rate for BBL ranged from 1 in 2,250 to 1 in 6,214. This was much higher than the mortality rate of abdominoplasty, which is 1 in 13,193, which is considered the riskiest aesthetic procedure. Aesthetic procedures in general had an overall mortality rate of 1 in 55,000. In total, 692 members of ASAPs and ISAPs responded to the 2016 survey. The survey played a key role in identifying not only the morbidity and mortality numbers, which we discussed above, but also aspects of the procedure that might actually improve patient safety. These findings were statistically significant and included one, subcutaneous back grafting only, two, avoiding muscular injections, three, the use of thicker cannulas greater than four millimeters, and four, avoidance of downward injection. These data were published uh, in the well-known article in the ASJ in 2017. The major societies, ASERF, ASAPs, ISAPs, and ASPS subsequently began a systematic education campaign to inform their members of the inherent risks of performing BBL surgery and what techniques or equipment could be used to minimize these risks. The campaign included frequent emails, white paper publications, and courses at the annual meetings. Special emphasis was placed on avoiding deep muscular fat transfer. In addition, an interorganizational task force was formed to study fat grafting to the buttocks. The task force mem included members of ASAPs, ISAPs, ASPS, and IFATs. Further anatomic studies were designed to test the validity of some of the recommendations of the initial studies. At this moment, it appears that many of the original recommendations of the task force were valid, especially keeping the injection plane in the fat above the muscle. This has also been confirmed by other independent studies. The purpose of this current survey was to determine whether members were aware of the safety recommendations from the Fat Grafting Task Force paper in 2017, what their current surgical approaches were, and whether they had modified their approach after the recommendations in 2017. In addition, the survey asked members about fatal and non-fatal pulmonary fat embolism in the past 24 months, the time since safety recommendations were established in 2017. Methods. In 2017, the ASERF Gluteal Fat Grafting Task Force comprised of surgeons pathologists and statisticians published results of their survey of ASAPs and ISAP member plastic surgeons about the incidence of fatal and non-fatal pulmonary fat embolism from BBL. The online survey comprised 15 questions regarding the number of procedures performed, the number of fatal and non-fatal pulmonary fat embolisms occurring over a surgeon's career and over the past one year, the type and size of cannula used, the angulation and depth of injection, the approach and access used for fat grafting and geographic location of the members. The survey instrument, SurveyMonkey, for our study comprised 29 closed-ended questions. We included questions from the 2017 survey so that data could be combined and directly compared. 14 more questions designed by the first author, myself, were added pertaining to the members' awareness of the 2017 task force recommendations 
and if they had changed their techniques as a result of the recommendations. Members were also queried about the number of fatal and non-fatal pulmonary fat embolisms in their career and in the last two years since the 2017 article and recommendations. In May 2019, the link to the online survey was sent by email to all 5,048 active members of ASAPs and ISAPs. An email reminder was sent in June 2019. The member roster of the two organizations were compared so that a surgeon with membership of both organizations was only sent one survey and duplication was avoided. As with the 2017 survey, all responses were anonymous and it was not possible to know if an individual surgeon filled out the survey or filled it out more than once. Continuous variables such as number of procedures and volume of fact wrapping were examined for normal distribution and reported as mean or median as appropriate incident rates of fatal, non-fatal, and any pulmonary fat embolisms are reported with 95% confidence intervals. Because there were fewer than 10 fatal pulmonary fat embolisms in each of the 2017 and 2019 surveys, 95% confidence intervals for the difference in incidences could not be generated. Therefore, we compared the incidence of all pulmonary fat embolism fatal and non-fatal, in the past 24 months from the 2019 survey with the incidence of pulmonary fat embolisms in the past 12 months from the 2017 survey. All questions used for comparative analysis were closed-ended, multiple-choice questions. The answer choices were exhaustive, although participants could choose multiple answers to the same question. For example, when asked whether the angle of fat injection was up, parallel, or down, a participant could choose any number of these answers. Each of the answer options represented a unique variable in the data set. These multiple response variables to each multiple choice question were combined to generate a single response variable with mutually exclusive categories. These were further recoded to identify high-risk or low-risk categories as determined in the 2017 survey. The 2017 and 2019 survey data were combined so we could compare the fat grafting techniques before 2019 and after 2019, the task force recommendations were published. Continuous variables were compared by two-tailed t-tests, whereas categorical variables were compared by Pearson chi-square test. Unless otherwise noted, a probability of type 1 error of less than 5% or p-value of 0.05 was used to determine the statistical significance. Survey data were extracted with Microsoft Excel and analysis were performed with IBM SPSS Statistics 23.0 software. Results of the study. Of the 5,048 ASAPs and ISAPs members invited to participate, 572 completed the survey. This was a response rate of 11.3% compared with a response rate of 14.3% in 2017. One record with 1,000 reported pulmonary fat embolisms over the past two years was excluded due to likely erroneous data entry. 40% of the surgeons were from the United States or, or Canada. Compared with the 2017 survey, there were more surgeons from Mexico and Central America and fewer from South America by a few percentage points. Significantly fewer surgeons reported performing gluteal fat grafting than in 2017. 88.4% in 2017 versus 79.7% in 2019. This had a p-value of less than 0.01. Among those not performing gluteal fat grafting, a surgical 
uh, risk was cited by 33% as a reason for not performing the procedure. The overall number of gluteal fat grafting procedures performed over the career and during the past 24 months was 203,629 and 29,904 respectively. The median number of gluteal fat grafting procedures over each surgeon's career, 30, was the same in 2019 and 2017. Table 2 shows the level of surgeon experience based on the number of cases performed. The, dis the distribution was not significantly different. The survey queried occurrences of fatal and non-fatal pulmonary embolisms over their career and over the past 24 months. Similar to the 2017 data, 3% and 7% of surgeons in the 2019 survey reporting experience experiencing fatal and non-fatal pulmonary fatalisms respectively over the course of their careers. This, the 24-month interval was chosen because it encompasses the time since the task force recommendations were published in March 2017 uh, and lends itself as a key variable for comparison with incident rates prior to publication of the recommendations. Two fatal pulmonary fat embolisms were reported in the last two months, resulting in an incidence rate of 1 in 14,952. 10 non-fatal pulmonary fat embolisms were reported during the period with an incidence of 1 in 2,990. Again, due to the very small number of recent fatal pulmonary fat embolisms in the 2019 and 2017 surveys, we could not perform a meaningful statistical comparison. We therefore compared the incidence of any recent pulmonary fat embolism, fatal and non-fatal, in the two surveys. There was a significant decrease in the incidence of any recent pulmonary fat embolism in 2019 compared with 2017. So that number was 1 in 2,492 in 2019 versus 1 in 1,030 in 2017. This gives a p-value equal to 0.02. 534, or 93.5% of respondents, were aware of the 2017 Task Force recommendations for safer practice. The core recommendations from the Task Force were to avoid injection in the deep muscle, use greater than a 4.1 millimeter diameter single hole cannula, and avoid downward angulation of the cannula. The survey queried the current technique as well as whether the surgeon had changed their technique after the Task Force recommendations. Other respondents who previously injected fat in the mid to superficial or deep muscle, 85.5% reported switching to injecting in the subcutaneous fat only. Only 0.8% of surgeons in the current survey reported injecting in the deep muscle compared with 13.1% in 2017. With regards to cannula size, 30.5% of respondents reported switching from a less than 4.1 millimeter cannula to one greater than 4.1 millimeter since the recommendations were published. Compared with 4.1% in 2017, 29.8% of respondents in our survey reported only using cannulas greater than 4.1%. This was a p-value of less than 0.01. Change in the type of cannula used was reported by 8.4% respondents with more surgeons using single hole cannulas and fewer using sharp cannulas. This was uh, p-value uh, equal to 0 0.01. Among the surgeons who angled the cannula downward prior to the task force recommendations, 93.3% reported changing the angle of injection to parallel or upward 
trajectory. Only 4% of respondents reported to angling the cannula down in the current survey compared with 27.2% 2017. This is a p-value of less than 0.01. Surgeons also reported change in access technique with 30.3% reporting changing to injecting from medial to lateral to an intergluteal approach. 7.2% reporting change in patient's position for the procedure and 7.5% report changing syringe size or method of fat injection. This is all demonstrated in table four of the article. Discussion, discussion of this article. The 2017 survey brought attention to the morbidity and mortality due to pulmonary fat embolism from BBLs. The resulting task force guidelines were widely publicized and disseminated to plastic surgeons across the globe. The current survey performed two years after publication of the guidelines gave us a unique opportunity to study any modification in techniques based on the guidelines, as well as any change in morbidity and mortality from pulmonary fat embolism. This survey had an 11.3% response rate compared with 14.3% in 2017. Although low, the response rate is generally comparable to the participation obtained in such surveys. Variables such as the number of lifetime cases, geographic distribution, and volume of fat injection are similar in the two surveys, which may indicate that both are sampling the same group and likely represent random sampling to allow direct comparison. However, it is not possible to determine the surgeon's motivations to participate or not participate in the survey, which may introduce sampling error. This survey shares the same concerns about the internal validity of the data as the previous ones, such as recall bias, social desirability bias, terminology of the questionnaire, concerns about privacy, and an inability to perform an audit. Surgeons may not accurately recall the number of BBL cases they have done or the number of pulmonary fat embolisms they have encountered. Generally, recall is worse for remote events than recent events. Therefore, we compared only the incidence of recent pulmonary fat embolisms 12 months into the 2017 survey and 24 months in the 2019 survey rather than career statistics. Social desirability bias may manifest as surgeons incorrectly reporting the surgical technique or the number of cases and pulmonary fat embolisms. Because the responses to the survey were completely anonymous, it was not possible to verify the data. Additionally, the terms used in the questionnaire, such as plain of fat injection, are arbitrary due to the non-visualized nature of the procedure, and thus the response is subjective. However, since the 2017 paper extensively elaborated these terms, it may be reasonable to assume that they were well understood at the time of the second survey. It appears that educational campaigns and research findings have been successfully disseminated to ASAPs and ISAPs members, with 93.5% of respondents being aware of the recommendations. In addition, the 2017 task force identified several factors that were statistically correlated with the safety of the procedure. These factors included subcutaneous fat injection only, the use of a greater than 4.1 millimeter cannula, and avoidance of downward injection. This survey showed that there was a positive movement in the trends towards these recommendations. At this time, 86% of current respondents exclusively inject in the subcutaneous plane. However, since the task force recommendations were published, 86% of those who previously injected in the muscle switched to the subcutaneous plane. In addition, 30% of respondents are using a cannula greater than 40.1 millimeters to inject. 31% of respondents who use cannulas less than 4.1 millimeters have switched to larger cannulas. Only 4% of current respondents angle their tip downwards. 
Since the task force recommendations, 93% of respondents have switched from angling their cannula tips downwards to angular, angular, angling them parallel or upwards. Although the survey contains inherent limitations as described above, some positive trends were revealed. The survey suggests that fat grafting to the buttocks has become safer with identification and adoption of safer techniques, primarily subcutaneous grafting. The 2017 survey showed a mortality rate due to recent pulmonary fat embolisms of 1 in 3,448, whereas the 2019 survey showed a mortality rate of 1 in 14,952. The latter survey indicates that the mortality for this procedure has reached an acceptable level, level similar to that of an abdominoplasty, which is 1 in 13,193 mortality rate in our literature. Interestingly, a recent survey of Brazilian plastic surgeons showed a mortality rate of 1 in 20,117, despite the fact that only 50% of the respondents were only exclusively grafting in the subcutaneous plane. Overall, it appears that fat grafting to the buttocks is an acceptably safe procedure if certain guidelines are followed, most importantly, grafting only in the subcutaneous plane. Although the mortality and embolism rates have significantly improved since the publication of the original ACERF task force recommendations in 2017, there is still room for improvement. We found that 14% of respondents are still injecting in the muscle, 70% are still utilizing cannulas less than 4 millimeters, 85% are still using syringes, and 4% are still angling down during fat transfer. It is anticipated that improvements will be obtained as recommendations continue to be disseminated to the members through direct communication and during annual meetings. In addition, ACERF and ASAPS will continue to participate and encourage studies trying to elucidate the best practices for the procedure. Although the improvements in patient safety in this follow-up survey are impressive, they do have precedence. After liposuction was introduced in the United States in the 1980s, there was a similar concern for patient safety. A task force was created to study liposuction and recommendations were given. After the adoption of the recommendations, liposuction became a safer procedure. Despite the improvements in safety for this procedure in the past 24 months, ACERF and ASAP acknowledged that more answers need to be obtained in defining the safest instrumentation techniques and anatomic considerations. Much success has been obtained in a short period of time, but continued persistence will further improve the safety of the procedure. At this point, the study of BBL continues, the study of BBL outcomes is limited by survey data. The goal is to develop an ASERP database using the aesthetic neural network, which currently has 300 ASAPS members and continues to expand. By developing a metadata analysis system, ASERP could produce reliable and verifiable data on the safety of the BBL procedure. Conclusions. The positive aspects of the survey highlight how research and education correlate with improved patient safety. It also highlights that gluteal fat transfer is currently safe in the hands of ASAPs, ASERF, and ASAPs members who are aware and have adopted the latest patient safety recommendations. The current survey indicates that this, is, this procedure has reached a level of acceptable safety. ASERF encourages the establishment of rigorous evidence-based research to enlighten the safety techniques and instrumentation that can make this procedure safe. That is the conclusion of this article. There were two commentaries by Dr. Singer and also by Dr. Clog. Um, and they are also available um, after the article. I think it's interesting to read the commentary 
it's been a pleasure to um, narrate this podcast. Uh, and if you have any questions, uh, feel free to reach me through Aesthetic Surgery Journal. This is Dr. Louis Rios, ASURF president, signing off now.